This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday a little bit of a news dump over at USC on Friday with uh, the resignation, sudden resignation of Mike Bones. We're talking about that with Chris Trevino. I am uh, remote, so I'm not in the studio if it sounds a little different. And we are not doing a simulcast live on YouTube for the show. But it'll be across our regular podcasting network. If you have any questions or comments for future shows, you can still email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. we got some emails to get to today. You can also call or text us at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. Since I'm remote, we won't be doing any voicemails today, but send them in, and uh, we'd love to uh, play them on uh, future episodes. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review over on the Apple Podcasting app or wherever you listen to the podcast, but over on Apple, if, uh, if you have an iPhone or whatever, you can do that. It does help to grow the show. We appreciate when people uh, leave us a review there and any kind of uh, feedback, concerns, anything you have. You can do it there or send us an email, like I said, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let's bring in Chris Trevino. He's over there uh, in down in Long Beach, getting ready to talk some USC football, some Mike Bone stuff. We got a bunch of stuff going up on the website. Chris, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay, to be honest. And before we get going on this podcast, I just want to say this is all my fault because I went on a little bit of vacation sabbatical went back home to the dmv for my college roommate's wedding and naturally the day of the rehearsal dinner on friday that's when everything broke and it happens without fail every time one of us goes out of town for something it's most likely always me when this happens (laughs) something big breaks not something insignificant or small but usually something like earth shattering happens so i apologize for all the all the chaos that I have caused by uh, going to a simple wedding in the off season, how dare I? How dare I go across the country and do that? I'm going to be going on an international trip, Chris, coming up uh, later this week. So who knows what could happen there? I mean, I, I don't even want to speculate, but there could be some big news. Uh, but I'll have Wi-Fi. I'll be able to check what and what's going on. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I had a good time at the wedding, and uh, we held down the fort here with uh, with you gone. There's some stuff going on. We're going to talk about. Some recruiting over the weekend, too. Uh, I was down at the uh, Long Beach Tournament of Champions at Millican High School, uh, and we'll kind of talk about some of the stuff we saw down there. But before we jump into all that, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been great to us uh, over the last several years, and love going over there, just picking up stuff every week. Um, 
snacks, uh, wine, cheese, whatever you want to do, uh, entrees, frozen stuff. That's great if you want to make a quick dinner. Uh, you can also go to TraderJoe's.com and kind of check out what they got going on there. Their May uh, newsletter, uh, their Fearless Flyer is out. There was some cool stuff. There's a Enhanced Jangle, which is a magical mix of assorted candy treats, which looks pretty cool. There's like pretzels and different candies in there. It looks pretty cool. Very Trader Joe's-like. And then these middle mini bagel sandwich crackers, which I, I love bagels. I love little mini crackers. You kind of combine all that together. So a lot of good stuff over there. You can get some ideas. So when you go into the store, you're not too uh, overwhelmed. But um, Chris, hopefully you got you, when you got back from into town, you went to right to Trader Joe's and picked up some s- supplies. Well, Trader Joe's was actually closed when I got back in town. I had oh. multiple delays on my flights back. They lost one of my luggage. My luggage is coming back. So wasn't able to make the Trader Joe's run, but definitely this week I got to go back and restock up because obviously I've been gone for like 10 days. So obviously the the reserves are depleted. So I need to go back to TJ's and get some uh, get some stock. Yeah. I'm sorry about these delayed flights. I've been seeing a lot of people that was happening. It's uh, kind of rough. Um, all right. Well, I don't have a, I don't have my soundboard, so I can't do like the breaking news. Um <laughs> the breaking news uh sound because uh, do uh, like, just do it with your uh your your voice murder, murder. okay okay never breaking. mind don't do it with your voice <laughs> yeah usc athletic director uh mike bone uh resigned so he he there was a statement issued and uh a lot this is coming from the la times uh, after more than 40 years of college athletics leadership is the right time to step away from a position as director of athletics at the University of Southern California, dedicate my life to serving student athletes and advancing the enterprise of intercollegiate athletics. I always be proud of leading the program out of the most tumultuous times in the history of the profession and at USC with the restored reputation and national milestone accomplishments. I led the process to join the Big Ten Conference, hired marquee head coaches, produced the highest graduation rate in school history, and won numerous national and conference championships. As a former student athlete myself, my purpose and identity are rooted in supporting young people as they pursue their athletic, academic, and personal goals. I've been fortunate to have had so many wonderful opportunities and met so many terrific people, and I depart wishing the very best to all with whom I worked and served. And moving on, it's important now that I focus on being present with my treasured family, addressing ongoing health challenges, and reflecting on how I can be impactful in the future. That was the uh, bombshell we got on Friday, Chris. I was recording the podcast of Champions. So if you listen to that, um, plug there. Uh, if you had listened to that, then you uh, kind of got my initial reaction, which was essentially shock, which I'm sure yours was as well. You know, I'll be completely honest with you and to all the listeners. I was not like completely sober when the news broke. I mean, it was, <laughs> oh, come on, don't blame me. But I looked at it and I was like, I thought it was uh fake at first i thought it was like a a prank or something like that because obviously you know there had really been any like indication that there was going to be a change with mike bone at the top you know he's only four years into his tenure at usc you know not super long but not you know a a point where you're thinking okay maybe he's gonna try something else and obviously the big 10 move was coming up in 2024 and that still had a lot of work to be done on that front and, you know, guiding the Trojans through that. So didn't really think of maybe a change of leadership was coming at that point. So that's why this is such a big bombshell move. And obviously, you know, USC is in a much better position 
to lure in a big time athletic director this time around than it was four years ago when Mike Bone came from Cincinnati. So it's going to be a much different feel to this search as they're in a stronger position. But yeah, still just a huge, huge change. And it's always interesting to cover uh, USC. Always something going on, something something big and shocking happening. And this is the big one for our offseason, it seems like. Yeah, we um, had about a year with really no kind of scandals. So that's good for us as far as like covering USC. Uh, but, you know, then this this kind of happens um, a little crazy. Uh, we'll get into some of the L.A. Times, uh, you know, what they're reporting. But, you know, Carol Fult uh, also released a statement. And this was interesting because if you remember the last time she did this for an athletic director, basically it was like bye bye Lynn Swan. We never even heard from Lynn Swan. Like it was just basically like, OK, peace out. Thank you. And obviously he's a really, really terrible athletic director. Did, um, did we need to hear from Lynn Swan? Though? We did, did not. We really need, did, did we really need to listen? We didn't really hear, hear from him statement. when he was the athletic director. So <laughs> when he was like outgoing, you're like, okay. So careful has a little experience in this, but this is, um, I think this is a little nicer, but I'll read you what she said. I'm writing to let you know that I've accepted Mike Bone's resignation as director of athletics effective today on behalf of the Trojan family. I thank Mike for its contributions to our athletic department during a time of rapid transformation and growth, we will be announcing a transition team comprising both internal and external leaders in the coming days and will launch a national search for a new director of athletics shortly. Over the last four years, the USC Athletics Department has transformed into a national powerhouse in our singular pursuit of excellence. I'm committed to ensuing we have the right leadership in place to achieve our goals as part of that commitment uh, and we are, and as we prepare to move to the Big Ten, we conduct a thorough review of the. We, I'm sorry, we conducted a thorough review of the athletics department, including its operations, culture, and strategy. Having built a strong foundation over the last few years, now is the time for new direction grounded in our values, and in uh, expertise needed to fulfill our aspirations, our aspirational vision for Trojan athletics. I'm proud of how far we come, and I know we can go even further. We are laser focused on positioning USC as our student athletes for and our student athletes for success, and continuing the momentum of our student-centric uh, athletics programs with excellence on and off the field. We will keep you updated on our progress. Um, so when I read that, and this is really before more of the kind of allegations came out about, uh, you know, what Mike Bones, you know, potential behavior, you know, issues with his behavior. That told me, like, okay, there's, you know, this is not just Mike leaving. Um, you know, from sources I talked to, Chris, I feel the health issues are real. Uh, I've talked to people very close to, you know, Mike Bone, and that's certainly, I believe there are real, you know, tangible ongoing health concerns. But yeah. there was also a review that, uh, you know, the athletic department had. You know, she mentions that cultural aspect of it. I think that's, you know, certainly was part of it. And it might be a kind of a baller move by Carol Fult to just sort of get out in front of this L.A. Times investigation and be like, OK, well, we know where this is going. We're going to move on effective today, um, which, you know, that usually doesn't happen like one day. Uh, so it was pretty sure, you know, how fast it was pretty shocking. But we've seen kind of Carol Fult do this before. But, yeah, I think to me, Chris is a little bit of her sort of like saying, all right, this is where we need to go. And now we're just going to kind of move on from here. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on Carol Fold's statement? No, I mean, it was obviously like a 
kind of traditional like PR lace, you know, statement you put out to the public. But, you know, you can still pick up stuff by, you know, things that phrases they use or, or words that they use. And obviously the the one about the culture was definitely interesting and kind of, you know, played to what was looming and what was in the L.A. Times story about his conduct. So, yeah, like you said, there, you know, there is, you know, from what we've heard, there are health issues, but there also, you know, there's some other stuff going on that it's it just seems like a combination of a bunch of things that just let them to, to you know, make the movies like, OK, right now is the time we're going to the Big Ten. We need, you know, fresh leadership. We need a change. We'll, we'll get somebody in there to to see us through into this Big Ten era. And yeah. A uh, baller move, if you will, it's for for Carol Folt to just go and you know what put to make that decision and put it out there and and get it done. And you know the last national search that Carol Folt was a part of turned out pretty good for the Trojans. So I think USC fans are a little bit more confident in seeing this one actually play through with Carol Folt kind of leading the charge as they find a new athletic director. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about you know what it means for USC. I mean, this obviously. And, you know, just in general, I think, yeah, it's a scandal for USC, but, you know, this is more of a Mike Bone thing. Mike Bone, the job he did, I think was very good. I think he set USC up uh, very well. So if you're worried about all that stuff, I think, you know, USC Athletic Department is fine. You already have Lincoln Riley. Like, that's the most important thing. And speaking of Lincoln Riley, he had a statement. I will always be appreciative of Mike Bone and his role in bringing us to USC and certainly wish both he and his family all the best. With the current state of the program and our programs in our athletic department, there is a really special opportunity ahead for all of us Trojans. I have full confidence that our university leadership will continue to do everything possible to support us. I truly believe that the best days of USC athletics are right in front of us, and I continue to be totally invested and excited to be a part of it. Let's stick, let's stick together and, as always, fight on with the fight on emoji. And we also heard from uh, Annie Enfield recently, the head coach of the yeah. basketball team. And he said, uh, we thank Mike Bone for his support and enthusiasm towards our men's basketball program and wish the best for him and his family. We are looking forward to continuing uh, the success we have had in men's basketball. There are some exciting times ahead for our program and all of USC Athletics fight on head coach Andy Enfield. So support from uh, the, uh, the major sports, uh, the head coaches of the major sports for Mike Bone. My question is, Ryan, everyone's putting out statements. Do we have to put out a statement at USCfootball.com? I think this is our statement, you know. Okay. Um, this podcast will be our statement. I, I think this is our statement. <laughs> I did. Someone did a post on the Peristyle asking me, like, you've been kind of quiet on this. And it's like, well, I was, you know, kind of working and there's a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, I put a few thoughts down there. And w this is kind of like our forum to do some of that. But it's good to hear, you know, the athletic, you know, the major uh, the head coaches of the major programs coming out uh support of Mike Bone and you know we we mentioned it the job he did I, I think if you want to look at what does this mean when USC was looking for an athletic director in 2019 there were several power five athletic directors that turned USC down from what we were told they end up getting a, a high level group of five athletic director someone that had been in the Pac-12 before Mike Bone um and you know, to me, we always talked about just hire someone that's good at their job. And, I, you know, I've addressed this even I spoke at a Trojan like luncheon uh, in uh, Vista, California, like the day before this broke. And I'm like, I, I told told the, the group there, I don't know if Mike Bone's a great athletic director. I mean, he's 
miles ahead of what they've had with the Pat Haydens and the Lynn Swans. He's very, you know, comparatively just destroys them. Very good at what he does. Um, you know, I think he could be like good. He could be pretty good. He could be great. It's just, it's hard to say. It's only a few years in. There were some good things that happened for sure. He wasn't that popular in the first couple of years because he held on to Clay Helton. But, you know, going to the Big Ten, hiring Lincoln Riley, obviously home run things that were were happening. But the fact that he took an athletic department that was in shambles and that, you know, if you're like the I'm not just going to name a random school like you're Indiana's athletic director, you would rather stay in Indiana than go to USC I'm not saying that they interviewed him. I don't I can't even tell you who the athletic director is. I'm just saying schools like that would be like, no, I'm, I'm good where I am because that thing's a mess over there. Well, now it's not. Now you got Lincoln Riley. You got Andy Hanfield with, you know, the number one recruit in the country and Bronny James. And, you know, to have the, the women's basketball getting the, the best player in the country, the baseball team turned around the point that, that you know, they're going to make a postseason or likely make the postseason and, um, you know, first reeled with uh, first uh, go around with Andy Stankiewicz, like the major programs are doing much better. You know, the football team goes from four and eight to 11 wins with a Heisman Trophy winner coming back, by the way. So, yes, like there's and, and of course, you're moving the Big Ten. So there'll be a ton of money. It's a much better place right now than what it was then. So people that said no in 2019 would you know, jump through a window to be the USC athletic director today. So I think if you're worried as a USC fan, that's probably the most important thing to keep in mind that you went from, it wasn't an attractive job in 2019 and it's a very, very attractive job now. So if you don't trust the search process or whatever, you're still going to get good candidates for this job because it's so much better than it was four years ago. So much better. And like you mentioned with, you know, Pat Hayden's Lynn Swan, Mike Bone did not have to be amazing. He just had to be good enough because good enough would have been amazing compared to those those other ADs that had come and gone with USC. He just had to put out some fires and, you know, not destroy the already crumbling uh, athletic department foundation that had been destroyed over the last several years. He just had to, you know. Do some things, clean up some things, put out some fires, like I said, and and then, you know, figure out what to do with the football situation in Clay Helton. Obviously, he and Brandon Sosna, Sosna did an amazing job with that, bringing, you know, Lincoln Riley on. And, you know, they they nailed the thing they needed to nail and then the rest would fall into place. And that's what they did and made USC and put USC in a much better position four years later. And you're right. You know, we love a good house uh, metaphor on this show and it was like he took over a crumbling house and we've made this reference before but it was a dilapidated crumbling chip paint all over rusty nails coming out and now it's it looks like an actual house it looks like something you could actually live in and in a very impressive looking house that you know you can see the future of it and it's a a hundred million dollar mansion that's what it's going to look like in the future and that's what it's moving towards so now you can get those potential buyers, quote unquote, potential new ADs, high end ADs, you know, top 25 ADs to to actually stop and look at this place and be like, OK, I can see the future here. This place is going somewhere. This neighborhood's going somewhere. And now it's in a, in a position where people actually want to buy into USC and for, for the work that they actually put into this to this uh, this house or this program. 
Yeah, no, I agree. It's a great, uh, great way to kind of put it. And it's, you know, the, what you want to like, you know, whether they say you go to like a national park and they would like you to leave it better than the way you, you know, found it. Um, that means, oh, you see a piece of trash, you bring it on the way out. Like USC had trash everywhere, <laughs> you know, and you came in with a cleaning crew and it's significantly better than it was when Mike Bone started. And there was a lot of problems, you know, starting with the football team, uh, just floundering and people really gave Mike Bone a lot of crap about not firing Clay Elton, what he did. And, you know, we talked to Mike and we talked to Brandon and, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And a lot of it was just like, you need to fix so much, so many things in the athletic department. If you want to get a good head coach, like you can't, we yeah. could fire Clay Hilton, but you couldn't get a good head coach because so many other things were broken. The so, systems were not in place to support a high end coach. You're right. So if Lincoln Riley was available, in like 2019 or whatever, or 2020, they wouldn't have been able to hire him because it was just like a mess. So their plan was clean up the athletic department. They did that. Make it, it's basically like, you know, building up a nice nest so you can have a better bird come in and, you know, stay there. And that's what they did. And, you know, I didn't think it would be as big of a bird as Lincoln Riley, but turns out it was. Um, and so, Yes, it's 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 a much better spot. And I would if you go to the P, there's a great post uh, from there's a thread, a fight on for life 13, who kind of, you know, he's like, I didn't really read much, but he just gave a bunch of bullet points. And I think they were all really spot on. So if you're not a member, you can go over to uscfootball.com and uh, sign up for a dollar. So just go check it out. But his post was was great. Um, I think there was a lot of good, um, you know, insight in there and some of the stuff we had like already talked about, about the job being better. You know, Mike Bowen was definitely very passionate about USC athletics. Uh, he was, you know, great to us. It was just someone that was accessible. He's come on our shows a couple of times, like Tunnel Vision. And uh, I think he broke the, I forget where we broke. I think we broke the, that San Jose State was going to be added instead of uh, UC Davis. Remember when USC was about to play a Keep the streak alive. Uh, yeah, the FCS school for the first time. And uh, so I think I believe that's what he broke on our podcast. So that was kind of cool. Um, but like the first time I met him, he invited me to sit the next courtside of a USC basketball game. We just kind of chatted for about half the game. Um, yeah, I mean, there's I don't say he's a perfect athletic director. He he's he's someone that USC needed, you know, and he did his job. He fixed so many of the problems. And I think that's, you know, kind of what you have to to keep in mind. And, you know, that's, if you're looking from a USC athletic standpoint, they're in a much better spot. You know, it's like, boom, you're here, you're ready to, you know, you're ready for the next step. And I, I even, I think I probably even said this when Mike Bone got hired, you needed someone to come in and clean up the mess. It didn't have to be, this wasn't, you didn't have to marry Mike Bone. Like you needed, this was sort of like that girlfriend that you needed to like sort of figure out relationships. And then maybe your next one is who you marry. Uh, it could be something like that. And, you know, it could have been Mike Bone. Mike Bone could have been that director for 25 years. I don't know. But what USC needed was someone to sort of teach him how to be an athletic department again. And Mike Bone certainly did that plus more. And now it's going to be on Carol to bring in the right guy. And I think, you know, I was on, I think it was Pac-12 radio this morning and they asked me, will Lincoln Riley be involved? And to me, I think he, you know, if you don't talk to Lincoln Riley about this, then you're doing it wrong. So I'm not saying he would have veto power, but 
but yeah, that post is great. Go check it out. But it's, uh, if, if you're looking from a USC athletic department standpoint, much better off. Um, you already have like the main stuff. Uh, it, you know, you, you got, you got a head coach already in football. You got one in basketball. You got a women's basketball. You got baseball going like you're doing all right. You know, I don't, it, it's, uh, you do want to try to get the transition to the big 10. Um, and you want to make sure scheduling impacts. You want someone in place to make sure you're in those meetings where you're talking about the big 10, when they talk about schedules and travel and all that kind of stuff. So you, you definitely want representation there, but Otherwise, like, you know, you got a little bit more than a year before you go to the Big Ten. The timing's probably not terrible. Um, and it's, like I said, very much more attractive job. But you can get some great candidates to come and fill it. Right. And the Big Ten Conference is like the whole big, the I guess, the one of the biggest selling points you have for poaching another top AD. You know, if it's not like USC is staying in a joke of a conference like the Pac-12, you're going to a big boy conference, obviously like 1A, 1B to 1A of the SEC. But, you know, you don't have to to pitch a, a if you want to go after a Big Ten AD, you don't have to pitch them taking a step back to the Pac-10, to the Pac-12. You're it's it's not even quite lateral, maybe a jump up, obviously, with everything USC has to offer. You can be the leader of this new school of Big Ten play and this new era of West Coast on the Big Ten, you, you can make that jump. You stay in the conference. You still have all the connections. And it's probably even sexy enough to sell to, you know, an S- SEC uh, athletic director. Obviously, SEC is the king of TV contracts and football and all that. But Big Ten's not that far behind. And obviously, like I said, with USC and all it has to offer, you can go in and woo uh, a potential, you know, SEC, SEC athletic director and you don't have to like have that uphill battle of selling them on the Pac-12. You can sell them on the Big Ten and that is a very obviously sellable market. Yeah, the Big Ten actually has a better TV uh, market or TV contract right now. So that, we'll talk about there that in go. a second. But, I, you know, I was Pac-12 radio, they'd asked me this morning, like, do you want a West Coast ties person or someone with Big Ten ties? And I thought that was kind of interesting. And probably I, mean, I think having, you know, knowledge of the West Coast is important. But if you have someone that has knowledge of the West Coast and has also worked in the Midwest and maybe in the Big Ten, um, that's probably a benefit there too. I mean, this is uh, this is uncharted territory, right? And you know, bone set it up, and someone's going to have to knock them down. And I feel like that that's an important aspect of this athletic director. I I don't think just getting someone that's only been in the Midwest and doesn't understand West Coast at all would make sense. But I know there's people that have that kind of experience. Um, so and and USC can, you know, shoot for the stars when you're talking about fi- hiring a, a big time athletic director. Um, you can you can do that because it's such an attractive place. So USC always had the potential. You have the you know the media market and the tradition, and USC just didn't act like a superpower when it comes to athletics. And they hired terrible ads. They hired bad head coaches, and now you you know you got a really good head coach and you had a pretty good AD that did some good things. You can go out and get a great AD now. Like you can go get the, the, the AD of the future that would never leave. And just as long as they, you know, they're happy and USC's happy, they'll keep, keep there doing things. So it's a, it's a good spot. I think for, for USC at this point, I mean, you, it's very desirable. And I, I, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. It's people will want this job. Do you have any, uh, athletic director hiring bullet points that that need to be fulfilled like you had with the head coaching like 
does not need to know doesn't need to know the fight song or anything like that. Do you have any of those for the athletic director? I don't remember if you had some bullet points the last time we went through an AD search uh, four years ago. So, I mean, to me, the AD search was simple. It was basically like they can't know the fight song. Like, I don't care if, if they know USC inside and out, like don't hire them. And to my knowledge, there aren't any former USC football players that are sitting athletic directors anywhere. So I would rule out any former USC football players. Like, sorry, Matt Leiner. Sorry, Lindell White. And, you know, Max Brown, who I Reggie, ran into. Reggie Bush. Reggie. Sorry, Reggie. Max Brown, <laughs> who I ran into at the Laker game uh, a couple weeks ago. It's cool to see him. Um, yeah. To me, Chris, is the whole mantra of hire someone that's good at their job. And I think the fact that USC football, like being the head coach, like you could see that potential. The athletic department was kind of a mess. So you get Mike Bone, who has done pretty good at his job. He hired Luke Fickle, who's you know who's moved on now as the head coach at you know brought Cincinnati to the playoff and now is uh, at Wisconsin. I think for me, it's hire someone like I don't want an out of the box hire. I don't want someone that projects to be good as an athletic director. Like we've seen that with conference commissioners, they're getting these like media people and all this stuff. To me, you just hire someone that's a sitting Power Five athletic director, most likely. Um, there's some dudes that you could look at, or not dudes, just people that you could look at. And, you know, Brandon Sosna, who you already know, did the job, basically. Like, he was, like, the number two guy. And, you know, Mike Bowen said that he was, the, you know, that Sosna was the architect of hiring Lincoln Riley. He can do that. I'm sure he could run the athletic department. So I'll give him an exception, uh, someone that knows the fight song. But outside of that, I don't really think there's – Big, big enough time internal candidates that you would want to bring in. It's an outside, you know, bring in an outside person. And, you know, for my preference, a sitting athletic director in the power five, um, because you can do that. You can go take someone else's athletic director because it's a much more desirable job that work. 2019, you couldn't do it. Yeah. So there's the refresher course on what Ryan Abraham is looking for an athletic department. And I've had a couple people say that I should be the next athletic director on social media. 18K, 10K should lead it. I am just formally taking my name out of consideration for the athletic director job. Right. I am so not. I make that announcement on this Parastel podcast. I'm putting my name out there. Um, if you oh, want to be okay. The you, director, but you I'm know in. the fight song. But you I don't know care. the fight song. <laughs> well, if I'm talking about me getting like a $3 million check a year, then I'm in. Oh, like, okay. I, if you, it, but if it's you that knows the fight song, it's a okay. Right. Well, I haven't sung. I mean, I cover the team now, so I don't I haven't sung the fight song in a long time since probably was in college, right? So fair, none of that. Um, yeah, fair and enough. I guarantee you, I'll do a better job than Pat Hayden or Lynn Swan. Now, most people walking on the planet could do that, but uh, yeah, I'm in. If they want me, uh, I'm in. Just uh, you know my number. Give me a call. I I'll be there. The uh, we're not going to jump into you know the. LA Times reported, you know, with uh, they've talked to sources in Cincinnati and at USC that, you know, Mike Bone that made people feel uncomfortable. There's a lot of kind of stuff there. And you can kind of go check out what they're reporting in the in the Times. I, from what I've heard, and it's just it really depends who you talk to, you know, um, you know, I know there's people at Cincinnati that didn't feel like it, the, the article sort of made it sound like everyone in Cincinnati was like shocked he was still the athletic director. And that's not the, the indicate like I didn't talk to everybody at Cincinnati, but there are at least people there that didn't feel that way. So I think it just kind of depends on who you talk to. And I'm sure people that were if there was someone that felt 
Mike Bowen acted inappropriately, they're going to give you a different story than people that didn't feel that. Um, I, you know, from, from what I've heard and I'll and get your thoughts, Chris, like I've heard that the, the health stuff is real, that there's real health issues. And that's something that people has kind of, have kind of known around the athletic department. So it's not like the health was just a, an excuse. I think that was something that was a real part of this. Uh, but you know, it seems like the internal investigation and the LA times report are really what was the catalyst to kind of, um, make this happen. And, uh, you know, I've talked to people at USC that work in the department and, you know, I haven't been able to talk to anyone that was saying like what the, the sources were saying in the LA times, um, they, you know, but it's, it's just kind of one of those things where I guess it just depends on, uh, who you talk to and we're not gonna get like political and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's just certain things you can and can't do. And I don't know what Mike Bone did or didn't do. Uh, but there are things that you can and can't do. And I, I think the main thing is, this is going to be, this isn't like some varsity blue scandal where like, you feel like this is going to tarnish the legacy of the U S athletic department. They've had plenty of scandals and all that. I, to, to me, whatever happens with these allegations are more of a Mike bone thing. Um, than USC, the fact that he was just there. I I think, again, like if you're a USC fan, you're happy that the athletic department is a good place. And, uh, you know, I like Mike Bone personally. Like I, he's never, I've never seen anything bad about behavior, you know, when I was interacting with him. But, um, you know, I don't work there. It's a, it's a different kind of thing. And I hope he's healthy and I hope, you know, re, you know nothing really comes of this. I, I just don't know what the, you know, what, what the truth is, but, um, that's sort of like where we are right now. And just sharing you from what I've heard, um, you know, about the health stuff and everything too. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, Chris. Yeah, it's just a like a very interesting, like dynamic and kind of a situation that, you know, media and USC fans and I guess administration and people around Mike Bone are in because, you know, like you said, as you mentioned with the help, you, you've heard multiple things about the help uh stuff being you know real concern with mike bone so that obviously makes him a sympathetic figure in the eyes of a lot of people but then you also have on top of that the allegations that the la times is reporting which makes him not a sympathetic figure so it kind of like you have these two sides kind of warring between each other over the mike bone situation and yes the health the health stuff you know you know you never want to see someone go through that and then on the other hand the allegations you know are something you have to take you know, seriously and let the investigation investigation play out. But as you said, we don't we don't know what the truth is. We don't know what Mike Bone did or didn't do. And I'm sure, you know, maybe that won't ever come out. What what actually really happened? But we'll have to see what the the investigation uh, learns or uncovers throughout the process. And I'm sure it's going to you know take more than a, a month or so to, to really find out anything, you know, moving forward outside of, you know, maybe talking to people behind the scenes. But like you said, there, there's a lot of like, oh, you know, I didn't really hear this or I did hear this. And that always happens, you know, when something big like this happens, you know, someone stepped out, steps down from a position of power. It's like, oh, what's going on here? You know, the rumors, all, all that stuff obviously comes flooding out when anything happens like that. And you just have to kind of wait and see what is you're still hearing, you know, a few weeks down the road and, you know, stuff like that. But it, it does put Mike Bone in a very interesting position as we look at him, you know, stepping down because 
like you said, a lot of people did like him and, you know, he was always, you know, very kind to the media when he would come by, had great energy. Like, thank you guys for being here. You know, shook, shook people's, shook the media's hands when he walked by and, you know, give him a couple seconds of FaceTime. So, you know, he was, he was, he was liked by the media and he was, you know, as you, you saw my practice, he was around, always around people, like being around people. That was, you know, one of the big selling points, I believe, you know, kind of those features that came out about him, about at Cincinnati. He always loved being around people and out in the community. So, you know, obviously it does just put him in two different very lights as you try to like figure out what happened and what was actually going on behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I agree hundred um, percent. All right. Well, yeah, we, you know, wish Mike Bone the best as far as health wise and everything. And, you know, we'll, if we hear anything else uh, with investigations or anything else, you know, we'll, we'll kind of pass that along, but um, that's sort of where we are with all of that. That was the big sort of news. Um, you had mentioned the big 10, Chris, um, always there always. was a yeah Maryland in there right Are they they're still the Big Ten for now <laughs> okay I think okay. okay keep it moving keep it moving the uh, so yeah there was a report I forget it might have been uh, Pete Thamel but I think there was another one too um, where the it doesn't sound like the the media rights deal like that record setting deal is actually signed there's like some questions about you know NBC's like you know, what uh, games they would get. And they're sort of like, they said some back channel, like stock trading going on. Um, I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Basically like, they're like, well, we, we'll show this game, but we really wanted this time slot. So maybe instead of you showing this one, it, that kind of stuff like that's been going on. I guess it's not all been finalized. And for whatever reason, the big 10 doesn't seem like the major teams don't seem to like to play night games, I guess, because it gets colder in November, but the new TV deal would be, you know, like Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan would have some night games in November, which is sort of, I guess, been like a part of any agreement that they've had. Yeah, that's like an ancient sort of thing that they've done. And so there's still some questions and some maybe some I's that weren't dotted and some T's that weren't crossed with this Big Ten uh, media rights deal. So that's going to be something to kind of watch. And then um, if you read like the sports business journal stuff, they, they talk a lot about what's going on in, uh, you know, college athletics and media rights deals. And, uh, they basically came out and said that the, uh, the, the PAC 12 and ESPN aren't really talking anymore. ESPN already said no to the big 10. They said no to a bunch of other properties, like major properties. And he, they were reporting it's basically not a shock that they would say no to the uh, PAC 12 as well. So we still kind of wait to see what happens with the Pac-12 media rights deal. Um, the Big 12 is sort of just waiting in the wings, you know, and I'm sure the SEC wouldn't mind if the, you know, the Big 10 deal loses some 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 money. Uh, I know some of the presidents seem to be a little antsy in the in the Big 10, but it's it's kind of like one of those problems you would hope to have. It's like, oh, the the billion dollars might have like 70 million off of it if we don't get this exactly right. And it's like, okay, we're still like $930 million, you know, so it's the, per year. So it's still pretty good. Um, but so, yeah, there's some, some kind of interesting media rights stuff out there uh, this week. So you're saying the new Big Ten commissioner has some stuff on his plate to handle. You would think, early. you know, yeah, like when um, Kevin Warren left, you're, it sort of was like, it was kind of like if you're going to be the AD at USC, like there's a parallel, right? Like you come in and you're like, oh, what happened? So, okay, so we have a football team that's got the, you know, the best young head coach in the in the country and they have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back. Like, okay, I, I don't need to, I can just not screw that up, right? 
Oh, the, the basketball team um, returns like, you know, one of the Pac-12 players of the year and brings in the number one recruit in the country. Oh, and Bronny James. Uh, okay. So attendance will be great. Okay. Uh, and we'll have celebrities at the game. That seems to be all right. You know, we're winning national championships in, in these other sports. Like they won in beach volleyball. They were in the finals for women's water polo. And um, and all the baseball team that has the most national championships of anybody has turned it around in one season where the guy hired last year and Andy Stankowitz. Okay. So like you take over that job and you're like, this isn't going to be that hard. I got to do some scheduling stuff, going to the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to the Big Ten and we're going to like triple our media rights uh, annual income. Like, So things are pretty good. Like you just take over a great situation. I th- you felt like the same thing was in the Big Ten, but maybe Kevin Warren was on his way out. Like, yeah, I got this deal, but it's not exactly <laughs> finished. And there's a few things that people are going to be upset about, like playing night games in November or whatever. Uh, so maybe the incoming commissioner, uh, and I'm blanking on his name right now, um, does have a few things he has to do where you thought that Kevin Warren just sort of left everything like in perfect in perfect shape and all you had to do was like continue on. So maybe there is some work to do. The other thing I have to contribute to this, because I never really contribute to TV contracts and all this media rights. So did you see that the the Pac-12 was like looking at doing like in-game interviews, kind of like I guess the XFL does or ASFL, whatever. Yeah, like I think the Big 12 sort of announced that they were looking into that, and then the Pac-12 announced that they were doing it. Um, you could do you <laughs> could mic up them. You could mic up players pre-game and coaches, head coaching interviews at like. So if you watch the NBA Finals, they do this like after the first quarter or after the third. You would talk to the head coach. There's usually two questions. It's pretty much worthless, but, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, so I, I don't think this is going to move the needle. But you're, it's, you're, be, you're being kind and saying it's pretty much worthless. It <laughs> is worthless. So, yes, yeah, so the Pac-12 is trying. They're trying to do something. So, I don't know, maybe we'll see some different – you get to hear from Lincoln Riley after the first quarter or something. Hey, that that would be that would be interesting. We'll, we'll see that. We'll, that could be a thing. So, we'll see. For, for at least one one season – we could possibly have that. Right. This is the, the you kind of take a, you know, for USC, you're like trying to take a victory lap, right? Go out on top, win the Pac-12, and then go, peace out. Go to the Big go to the big Ten. Going to make a lot more money. Um, yeah, so I saw that. What, what, yeah, so you just think it's worthless, too. You know, it's not really. Like the miking up thing yeah. might be cool. Like if you mic the up only- players pregame, it may, that might be kind of fun. That, yes, that would be kind of fun. And the only kind of like uh, worth, Anything that you get from those kind of head coaches is if like someone gives like a a meme moment or like a viral moment or a funny answer, kind of like the Saban uh, meme, like don't ask about it or whatever, that kind of thing, like something like that. That's the only real value you get out of those. Right. No, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, OK, so we don't talk a lot of recruiting uh, on this podcast, Chris, because, you know, we you have guys, a specific one for that. Yes. Which actually, is, I, I guess I don't have that. I, I'm no longer I got Wally pipped. I guess I don't have my own recruiting podcast. So I what, guess this so is what the was, only home I have. What was it called before this old podcast? Yeah, that you before had? I guess it was taken over. Uh, I, it was formerly known as the Composite Two Star Recruits podcast. What it is now, I, I don't know. Shoddy and Gmart. It could be rolling with Shoddy and Gmart. Roland. Rolling shotgun with Gerard Martinez. I don't know. Something like that. Ooh. That's just off the top of my head. That, I mean, I wasn't going to really Wally Pippi, but that name is really good. Maybe we should like to be, uh, uh, you know, 
Chris, Chris taking his little hiatus and uh, shotgun steps in. It was a very popular podcast. It was kind of funny, uh, but your pop, your, your podcasts are very popular with Gerard no matter what, but um, that was cool. But so I figured I'll give you a chance to talk recruiting again, since you got Wally Pip from your podcast. Um, and you know, this was right in your backyard, Milliken high school, but you were at a wedding. So I had to like dust off my camera and go down there, but it was fun. Um, you know, I forget, I do like, interacting with some of the recruits and stuff and seeing, you know, seeing that I, I've kind of stepped away from some of the recruiting duties, just being more of the publisher of the site. But when you get to go down to a tournament, it was a long day, dude. I was there like 9am till four. Um, four. It's a grind. It's a long, you know, a lot of passing tournaments. Um, but the main draw uh, for me was uh, Xavier Jordan, the uh, four-star wide receiver from Sierra Canyon, you know, where Bronny goes to school. Um, yeah, he's a USC commit, committed a couple weeks ago, or May 1st, I think it was. And uh, it sort of reminded me of covering the opening finals when Kyle Ford just caught, like, 15 touchdowns, like, that weekend. Like, he was – Jordan was catching touchdowns, like – it was, like, three a game. It was crazy. Like, these are, like, half-hour games. He just kept catching touchdowns. Like, I interviewed him after the first three games, and he had estimated he had – more than 10 touchdowns touchdowns already, which was crazy. And he kept doing it like as the playoffs went on and they went all the way to the finals against St. John Bosco. Um, I think he scored the only touchdown that they had uh, against Bosco, but um, he looked, uh, he looked really good. Someone that, you know, I think USC fans will will love to see when he gets, uh, when he gets out there. And I got to see a lot of um, Ryan Pelham too. Uh, from Milliken High School that he he never left the field. It was f- kind of fun to watch him played uh, mostly like slot receiver and then played safety had interception tipped some passes caught a bunch of touchdowns. Um, you know, those guys sort of stood out. Um, but just today, uh, one of the players committed to Oregon, uh, Dylan. Um, what am I blanking on? Yeah, Gresham, Gresham. right? Uh, he yeah. was someone that would like line up against Jordan when they played. He he plays for San Jacinto, and I asked like Jordan about playing against them. And you know he's a big dude and looked really athletic. But I, I don't think he was in USC's top three or anything. Uh, end up committing to Oregon today. But he's someone that I thought that looked uh, looked pretty good. And we got to see a little bit of Jason Mitchell. Um, he transferred in from Sarah. He's at Bosco now, and uh, he, uh, he he looked pretty good there at corner for. Uh, Bosco, but there were some, you know, some dudes out there. It was fun to kind of, you know, check it all out um, and, you know, see some of those guys. But this was my first time seeing Xavier Jordan uh, in person. He he transferred in to Sierra Cannon from, uh, was it Shepard? No, Shepard was uh, Cathedral High School, I think. Um, but yeah, was it Cathedral? Yeah, yeah. Cathedral. Cathedral yeah. Um, but yeah, he looked good. So I'm sure you've seen him in person. I didn't get to see him yet, but, uh, it was kind of fun to watch him. And I, I put up a video interview. If you want to check it out on the site, it's like five minutes long. He's great. He's great to talk to. We had a good time, um, chatting about stuff and, uh, I'll have his highlight tape coming up in a little bit. Um, but there's a bunch of his highlights in that video interview. You can check it out too. I saw him at the Under Armour camp at Mission Viejo and just like ridiculous hand strength and catching ability. He was just catching everything kind of like what you were just describing here at this uh, tournament. So yeah, I'm not surprised that he put on a show for you with the cameras throughout. The guy just has an incredible catch radius, obviously not like, not like six foot four or anything like that, but just like really strong hands, really great hands. And yeah, top 100 prospect in the 24 
uh, seven sports rankings. So a really good get for this class. And yeah, he's, he's, he can be, he can be special and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be the next, uh, Tyler Vaughn's for you, uh, Ryan, like your uh, next, your guy when he gets on campus. Cause he does have similar, similar traits to him. Obviously he's a little bit thicker than Tyler, but same kind of like catching ability that, uh, TV had uh, at USC. He did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tyler Vaughn's, I'd seen him high point a lot more balls, um, but, you know. Because he was I, bigger, yes. I, he's longer, bigger than him. But just the, yeah. the catching on the sidelines kind of reminds me of, like, what, what Tyler Vaughn's would. He can do it, yeah. He, he gets his hands in there. And uh, I saw, like, maybe one pass where he caught and didn't maybe bring it in and got it batted away. But for the most part, if it was in his radius, he was catching it. Um there was also uh, some former USC players out there. Uh, so Tony Tony Burnett, I haven't seen for a while. It was good to see him. And uh, I, it's funny. I was talking. You know, I did a couple of podcasts um, talking. You know, to Dane Blanton uh, about uh, the USC. Uh, you know, beach volleyball team winning the national championship, and then also talked to some of the people involved with the track team. And um, I couldn't. I, I was blank on Tony Burnett's name right away but you know former track guy that was playing football uh seeing if there's you know any kind of crossover there's not a lot of it right now with the football team but the track team would love that because you can have guys on football scholarships like still contribute to track because they only get i think 12 and a half scholarships or whatever but tony burnett was one of those guys and uh he came in i think it was like safety then went to corner and then they you know had a bunch of injuries at linebacker so his senior year they moved him to to linebacker and then you know, he played some professional football around, uh, I think played for like Winnipeg or something like that. But anyway, but like at linebacker, you know, he put on some weight, but he was only like 206 or something. It wasn't like he was big. They sort of, he just, they, the team just needed him. So that's where he played. Uh, but he's out there, he's coaching uh, for Milliken. So it was cool to see him. And then Terrell Thomas, uh, you know, a little before Tony Burnett's time, you know, earlier Pete Carroll era, he's out there coaching with uh, Sierra Canyon. And uh, I think, one or two of his kids go there. Um, so he, he seemed to really enjoy it. I talked to both, both those guys. They seemed to really enjoy it. Uh, I got a picture up on the site of Terrell Thomas talking to uh, to uh, Xavier Jordan, you know, just kind of, you know, put his arm around him and stuff and, and chatting, even though he's a you know, receiver. But uh, that was cool. And then also ran into Max Williams, uh, whose, whose brother, uh, Marcellus, plays for St. John Bosco. So he was out there checking him out. So, yeah, some, some USC connections there over at the uh, passing tournament. And you said that the tournament was called the Tournament of Champions. Does that mean the Podcast of Champions was the sponsor for it? And does that also mean the Conference of Champions was also part of this? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. They just that's what they call it. Um, they, they did a nice job. I thought they ran it well, though. I, I forget the woman who was like checking us in, but she printed up like little credentials and they had like some cool graphics on it. She goes, do you like the graphics? Cause I made them I'm like, Oh, they're great. They're awesome. Uh, but yeah, they called it the tournament of champions or whatever, but it was cool. They did, I think they did a nice job hosting there and, uh, um, it was great. So I'm sure they missed you, Chris, cause you're, you're a staple down there. For sure. Love to hear it. I haven't been Wally Pitt from my turf, I guess. No, uh, they definitely invited me back though. So they're like, yeah, you know, you can come and stuff. Chris, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, and then real briefly, I just want to mention, um, the uh, I was uh, was uh, riding the Tour de Pier this weekend, which is a uh, like a basically stationary bikes, like a big spin class on the beach that you raise money for different cancer charities. And I've been doing it for several years. And I know I posted on the P. So anyone that um, donated, we appreciate it very much. 
But uh, it was funny. Um, I'm on the bike and I'm on like a satellite stage. So there's like 400 bikes. And my group was part of the, you know, I was like kind of one of the instructors, I guess you could say, in the, for the fourth hour. And I run into uh, Tim Drevno, who I hadn't seen for a while. And he's now the offensive line coach over UCLA. Of course, he's two different stints at USC. So it was fun to, you know, catch up with him. Then I get up on my bike, so I'm up on the stage. And Drevno walks by with Chip Kelly. So I say hello. And I had met Chip like once before. And I get like a selfie with those guys and tweeted it out and stuff. It was kind of funny, but they were, you know, riding for, I didn't realize this, but Bill McGovern, you know, their defensive coordinator that sort of stepped away in the middle of last year, health concerns. I don't think it was ever announced, but uh, apparently he has cancer and, and that's a battle he's going through. So they, UCLA staff was there and they had a couple of bikes um, that they'd sponsored and were raising money um, in Bill's name. So it was kind of cool. And I ended up uh, bumping into those guys at the, uh, at Shellback, the tavern afterwards and, um, you know, talking to them for a little bit. And the, the Chip Kelly thing is funny because, you know, we didn't really talk much before. And, you know, we were talking about high school stuff because Tim Drevno is from the South Bay. He went to South Torrance. And I had mentioned, he's like, where'd you go to high school? I'm like, I'm Massachusetts. And then Chip kind of comes over later and goes, hey, Ryan, so you went to high school in Massachusetts? I'm like, yeah, Milford High. And he goes, oh, Howie Long. And I'm like, oh, wow. And uh, Howie Long did go to my high school and uh, he had gone to a different high school. And I think his parents wanted to move him out because it was like a bad neighborhood. And so they move it to like more like suburban high school, whatever, where I was. And Chip kind of knew that whole story and everything. And we talked about like recruiting, you know, there's there's very limited. You know, I think there's only like 30 programs in New Hampshire total. And he talked about where some of the players you would get from different parts of Massachusetts and everything and some of the big high schools. So it was kind of fun to just have like that just random conversation with uh with, so you, know, you got a candid conversation with one of the most notoriously media stingy guys around yeah with chip kelly it was it was cool um yeah it was, you're I mean, you're nice. college football's like force gump you just end up <laughs> everywhere and talking to everyone and meeting everyone that's what you are he did right so he wrote on stage i was like the fourth hour, I think Chip Kelly was on stage the second hour with Matt Liner. So Rob Stone, oh. Fox, like they tweeted it out. Like it was the UCS, USC versus UCLA thing. So I know Liner, it's a pretty big like Peloton guy. Um, and Drevno does too. Drevno said he he does Peloton. Um, but uh, I don't know about Chip. I think he's done a little bit. But he hit me. Chip Kelly and Matt Liner were together up on stage, uh, you know, as you know, presenters and stuff. So that was like, they usually have like presenters, like the people that are like running the the hour, like every class is like an every hour is a different class basically. And they'll have like celebrity writers riding with the person. So for that hour, the celebrity writers, at least two of them were Chip Kelly and uh, Matt Liner. So it was kind of fun. Well, good job out there, Ryan, raising money for a good cause and putting in that work. Oh, it was fun, but it was it was just kind of a, a, an interesting cover. But for him to know, like I just Milford High School, you probably never heard of it. He's just like he instantly knew that's where Howie Long was from. Not you know that wasn't a time when he was recruiting there or anything, you know. But he just kind of knew like the history of it, which is kind of funny. Um, all right, well, I thought. Do you have anything else, Chris? I think we can get to questions. I don't have anything else. Okay, so let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and uh, answer your questions back in a minute. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. It's Ryan Abraham and Chris Trevino. We've got some questions. Uh, I've got some long ones, but you know, with some short ones too. Um, Poot, I'm not sure. Don't don't ask. But the Poot. Poot Poot wrote in, "Hey Ryan and team, uh, I was listening to your show on May 7th, and there was mention of Corey Foreman moving to Rush End. And looking at your scholarship distribution chart, I noticed there being two positions that seem to be very similar." Can you explain to me the difference between defensive end and rush end? Fight on from Poot. This is very simple for me, and also I'll take it. Rush end is sort of like a hybrid defensive end outside linebacker spot, while you know, defensive end is kind of the true five technique, kind of hand of the ground, like what you see, what you normally think of when you see a defensive end. You know, they're on that that stance and kind of the Rush end kind of stands up and rushes as opposed to, you know, put it being a uh, down on the ground, hand on the ground kind of guy. So it has they have the flexibility to drop back kind of like Corey Foreman did in the UCLA game and, you know, get that pick and how everyone was up in arms with Tuli two below two dropping in coverage at times. That's what that position allows them for them to do in that spot. So you kind of have different responsibilities as a hybrid outside linebacker and hybrid defensive end at the same time you the main priority of that position is to get to the quarterback obviously that was a little bit inconsistent last year but it has some other responsibilities tailored to it so Corey's is not going to have to focus that much on you know dropping back and doing all those other things that he'll be more primarily focused on you know getting after the quarterback and obviously helping in it depending if he's on the field you know first second down to stop the run but Whatever it may be, is I, I assume his priority for this season will be, you know, get to the quarterback. Yeah, like the defensive end is under Sean Nua, the defensive line coach. And I don't know, sometimes it's like like a five technique, right? Like, so you have this gap, uh, you know, where the rush end, you know, you might be coming around the edge more as opposed to, you know, you can, you're can you probably not rushing inside as much. But, yeah, so they have their own, you know, the rush ends have their own coach you know roy williams uh no, sorry, roy, manning. Uh, roy manning roy manning williams. roy manning uh <laughs> and then uh, sean Nua would have the defensive ends under them but you know they're they can be similar uh, there's some similar aspects like chris said uh we got a question from tina okay this is tina and i have both a football and basketball question uh one with the signing of uh 
Figgins, do you think a current cornerback will leave, assuming that they can? So you can't enter the Shout portal out. right now. Shout out to Tina. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I guess she's referring to like within the next couple months before the start of the season. I don't think so because, excuse me, I think there's obviously the potential that Fegan's plays more of a kind of nickel safety position. I don't think he, because I believe Gerard and Shotgun talked about, you know, they broke down Fegan's game. And, you know, they talked to people in Alabama where they thought he was more safety than he was cornerback. And I know Dante Williams was involved with his recruitment, obviously. But I think there's a chance, you know, like kind of like Latrell McCutcheon, he came in as a cornerback. But obviously, first day of spring, bam, he was working with the safeties. I think Fegans has that potential to kind of play more of a nickel role, maybe a strong safety kind of role. So I, I wouldn't like to, uh, I wouldn't, you know, bet on a cornerback leaving just because uh, Fegans is, is coming in. I think he has multiple position versatility so they can move him around. And I, 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 and I don't know that to be happening, but just looking at it on paper, I think it makes sense for them to try to move him around and help that nickel spot out, which obviously needs some better production. And they're really stacked at cornerback between, you know, Damani Jackson, Christian Roland Wallace, Sierra Wright, and Jacoby Cummington. Those are four guys that can start right there. So it just feels like it makes more sense for Fegans to play more of a safety position uh, moving forward. Yeah. So trick on uh, Fegans, the Alabama transfer, redshirt freshman. And if you look at the, so like I mentioned, the uh, transfer portal is closed, but if you were a grad transfer, you could leave. Um, but like, you know, some of the veteran guys like Jacoby Covington, Christian Roland Moss, like those are guys that have already transferred. You know, they got there and like Trail McCutcheon already transferred, you know, Bryson Shaw already transferred. Um, you know, you like, like a Max Williams, I think he has graduated. Like, you know, I, I think there's some guys that potentially yeah. could. I don't think they would, though. Yeah, I, I think they they're sticking around for this for this last ride. You know, they put in a lot of work and stuff, and you know, you're always one injury away from. And I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that nickel position, that safety position. The only one that seems locked in is Kalen Bullock, and it seems like Bryson Shaw was pushing more for that other safety position over Max Williams. Did they shift Max Williams down to to nickel? Does Jalen Smith hold on to nickel? Where does Zion Branch fit in? There's a lot of questions for that safety position, and we're not going to get those answered until fall camp. And now, you know, Fegans is another thing to factor in when you look at that that position race. So that's going to be, you know, one of the the position battles to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I, I don't think anyone else is going to leave. Yeah, I agree. Um, and number two, any pressure on Andy Enfield to start Bronny James? I like him, but I don't think he's a starter as of right now and still questionable on the five-star rating. Thank you and the entire crew. Fight on. and. I don't think there will be. Get your thoughts too, Chris. Um, you bring back Boogie Ellis, right? And uh, you bring in the number one recruit in the country or number two recruit who you talk to, Isaiah Collier. Um, I think Bronny would be, he's going to bring attendance, right? He's going to make things exciting in the Galen Center. And he's, you know, from all reports, you know, all accounts have been, he's a, been a great teammate. Um I don't think there's pressure to have him start. I think it'd be good to have him play and, you know, come off the bench and provide a spark and, you know, set guys up and all that. But I think when you have a veteran like Boogie Ellis and the number one player in the country, like th those two guys are probably going to be seeing a lot of court time. But I think Bronny could be a contributor. And, I, you know, I think he's a you know very good player. 
um, outside of having the name, you know, Brony James, uh, he's still a good player. And I think, I don't think there'll be pressure for him to start. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I don't think necessarily the pressure on is on him for him to start. I think it's more so the pressure on him to just play, you know, just to get him into games and get him part of that rotation. I think that's more so what the pressure is because, you know, they do have, you know, Isaiah Collier coming back. They have some veteran guys coming back with some talented guys that are, you know, recruited higher than Bronny James, like Isaiah Collier. So I think there just will be pressure for him to play because, you know, they will have a lot more attendance and a lot of those people came to see Bronny James get into the game. And, you know, you have LeBron James on the sideline courtside, you know, you know, glaring out over there at the bench. So I, I feel like the pressure will be to just, you know, get him some minutes early and get him part of the rotation. Uh, all right. Uh, John in Oakland wrote in. Now, we've kind of talked about uh, a lot of this. He wanted to know um, about should uh, Big Ten athletic experience be a top attribute for USC's next athletic director? And if he, we had any candidates in mind, and we kind of talked about uh, some of that, like maybe not candidates, but we can do that in a second. But he mentioned that UCLA's Mar- uh, AD Martin Jarman was an associate assistant athletic director for 15 years in the Big Ten, Ohio State and Michigan State before he was the AD at Boston College. Um, so that's interesting, like someone that would have some kind of uh, experience in the Big Ten at some point would be appealing. Um, I'm not saying they're going to go hire Martin Jarman and you're going to go take UCLA's guy, but uh, who's fairly new too. But uh, yeah, like he does have a background in, uh, in the Big Ten. And I think that would be something worth looking at. And just you know, a few names off the top of my head, like people talk about Jen Cohen at, at Washington and Patrick Chung at Washington State. Um, you know, Greg Byrne at Alabama was someone that was mentioned the last time. I uh, know he's got a really good job. He's at Alabama. But, you know, Nick Saban's going to retire soon. I don't know. Maybe you want to be the guy that replaces them. You know, you hire the replacement and you can be a legend in Alabama history. I don't know. But, you know, someone that they could potentially look at. And then, you know, Brandon Sauce, not just because he did such a good job when he was at USC, like just a few names off the top of my head, but I, I haven't dove in too much, but any thoughts on any of that, Chris? Yeah, I just the first part of that, I think it is important to have someone that has at least a little bit of experience in the Big Ten Conference. I think that will go a long way as USC, you know, makes that transition into the conference in 2024. So I do think that should be something that they take into consideration. I think that should, you know, help certain candidates that they, you know, had multiple years of experience in that conference, you know, the, the comings and goings, the dealings and, and all that kind of stuff that that's very important as they try to get settled in. And then as far as the other, we're going to have a, a big board coming out soon. I'm almost finished with it. And there'll be some candidates on there. You can look through and some of them are the ones that uh, Ryan just mentioned. So there, there are some names out there that that would make interesting pairings with the Trojans moving forward. And, yeah, there's some, you know, maybe that are a little bit out of the box I'm putting on there, but there are also some, you know, like names that are at the forefront, like like a Greg Byrne from Alabama and then obviously Brandon Sosna, who is a little bit of the exception to Ryan's rules and obviously still very, very young. Uh, I, You know, there's a chance he would be the youngest athletic director in school history if that were to happen or in not school history, but like football or college administration ever at you know 30 years old so yeah if, if that were to happen but you know we'll see and again i'll have a, a big board coming out later today uh, all right this is a long one from dave so we have to break it up okay. a little bit but, okay. Uh, okay hello first let me say i genuinely enjoy listening to gerard martinez he is informed 
informative, uh, articulate, intelligent, and humorous. He has an excellent natural rapport with Chris that comes through nicely on their podcast. I was hoping he was going to say shotgun, but okay, that's fine. Um, I would like to, however, comment on Ryan's comments uh, regarding the Varsity Blues scandal. He seems to suggest uh, that it was that the it was a good that the okay. So I think he means it, he seems to suggest that it was good that people were paying large amounts of money to USC because this suggests that USC is a good institution based on the fact that people were willing to spend a lot of money to cheat to get in. They weren't paying this amount to go to ASU, as he said. I think this is a ridiculous statement, which ignores the alternative explanation that there was a culture of improper conduct and loose oversight that allowed uh, consultants to game the system at USC. Once these consultants knew, they would continue to return to USC where they knew their likelihood of success was high. This kind of Pollyannish explanation reminded me of Ryan's comments last year regarding the USC defense. He said at one point that the USC defense was uh, complementary to the offense. In other words, the lax defense was okay because the offense was so prolific. Uh, this was also illogical. It sounded like a good spin more than analytical rigor. Okay, Dave, um, you are focused on the scandal, which is right. Like, yes, it. there was a terrible culture around USC that allowed the scandal to exist. What I'm saying is, there wouldn't have been that scandal, even if the culture was terrible at Arizona State, because there is not a whole bunch of people, celebrity children, uh, influencers, knocking down the door trying to get their kids into school and using their power, their influence, their wealth to get them into school. I'm not saying it was a good scandal, but I'm saying like you would rather be in a scandal like that than some other one. Like you put the school as far as like, well, people want to go there. I mean. That's still a fact of what was going on with the scandal that you would pay. So um, it's not overlooking anything. Yes, this, it's bad. Like the culture around it was terrible to allow that to happen. But it wouldn't have if the culture was terrible at Arizona State, it wouldn't have happened there because you don't have people jonesing to get in there, if that makes sense. Do you see the point, Chris? Or I, I see the point that you're making. Okay. And- you're dismantling this guy in front of you on your podcast. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. As far as the complimentary defense, that was earlier in the season, and it was a defense that was creating a lot of turnovers. They gave up yards, but they, they forced the big play, and that complemented what the offense was doing. They didn't need three and outs all the time because they were just scoring a bunch. And if you get an occasional turnover, it's okay if you give up uh, you know, a couple 80-yard drives in a row. By the end of the season, they weren't getting the turnovers and they never were getting stops. That wasn't complimentary at that point. So um, I would say, you know, that's sort of me my response to that. His next part, there was also a discussion between Ryan and Shotgun regarding celebrities at USC and why this is a good thing. I understand how this brings more publicity to the institution. However, to think that you would want to attend USC or that you would want your children to attend USC because of the fact that they might meet the children of celebrities is absurd. This would be the last reason I would want my children to attend an institution of higher learning. These kinds of comments, unfortunately, add to the stereotype of USC as being the university of spoiled children. Okay, Dave, I can't, you, you are so wrong. I don't even know what to do. Like this is way more wrong than the first paragraph. Uh Look at, okay. School universities are literally hiring and bringing in influencers. These are just like, attractive, maybe talented, whatever, 
high school seniors that are they want them to go to their school because why? Because they have a zillion of Instagram followers or TikTok followers. If you're an influencer and you're like everyone's following you, there's millions of people following you. And then, oh, you happen to go to USC or you go to Texas or go to whatever. Schools want these influencers because you know what? All the kids that are like going to be applying to school in the next couple of years, follow them on these social media platforms. It's major business in college now. Like it wasn't when I was there. It, it doesn't sound like when you were there, Dave. Um, probably when Chris was going to school. It's a big deal now. Like, okay. to, I, I mean, this is like a recent thing, like the last few years. It's. These are influencers. If they're talking about cool things about USC, it's going to millions of potential applicants. It's a big deal. So if you think it, it just because it wouldn't matter if you want to send your, your kid to school there, that's your perspective. But schools are they're on this. They want those influencers saying good things about their school because it's literally reaching millions of potential applicants. So uh I would Google it, Dave. It's a big deal in college right now. Have you heard about this kind of stuff, Chris? Or? I, th- I, th- I think I think is it Dave? Dave, right? Dave, yes. Yeah, I think Dave's point is that the the whole celebrity whatever in influence of you know these these big time children of stars and celebrities going to USC shouldn't be the reason people want to go to USC, it should be about the tradition and the education and, you know, the prestige and all that, which is, you know, obviously very good points about going to USC. It is hard to get into USC, but, you know, you have to think about it from, I don't know how how old Dave is, but I have to, I'm assuming he's not like a young kid because his perspective. He says he's been a football fan of over 50 years. So he's at least 50. So he's at least 50. Okay. Well, his perspective of USC and like what made USC cool for him when he was, I guess, went there or didn't go there or whatever is very different from what a kid now, a 17 year old, 18 year old, 19 year old looks at USC, you know, kids, let's face it. They love clout. They love these, you know, these TikTok and Instagramable things. And it's cool to go to USC. And it's obviously cool if you have Bronny James in your class, or, you know, Juju Watkins in your class and all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that that's how all kids think, but a large majority do. And obviously, you know, the education's great. All these things are great. Super hard to get into whatever the acceptance rate is, like 5%, 2.2%. I don't know. People want to go to USC and people have always wanted to go to USC. It's just getting a lot harder now. And just the, the fact that there are these caliber of like celebrities and people walking around USC just makes it that much more desirable to go to USC. So I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing and I'm seeing, I I understand what point he's trying to make, but also like you're not part of this new generation of what they look for and, you know, where to go to college. And, you know, a lot of it is about clout and all these like who you're going to rub shoulders with in class and all that kind of stuff. So you know, do people want to go to freaking Monmouth University? I know they want to go where, you know, freaking the stars are and where all the cool stuff is happening. So yeah. I understand what he's saying, but also like I also like understand what the, the current generation's viewpoint is about, you know, going to USC and, you know, cool colleges, if you will. 
Yeah, and I'm 52, Dave. Like, I you can say like it shouldn't be like students shouldn't pick a school because some celebrity goes there or some influencer, you know, posted a video on TikTok about how she loves going to traditions or something at USC. But it does like schools are embracing this because it does bring in more applicants, and you know that's the name of the game for a lot of these schools. You know, that's the title of it. Like, what's what's an influencer? What does that mean? Like, if you go to the store and you need to buy a shirt, like, they want to go buy a golf shirt. Like, do I want to find, well, I need to research what the best quality shirt is, or do I buy the one that maybe I see, like, John Rahm wearing? Like, oh, he's wearing Travis Matthew, or so I'm going to wear that. You get, inf- you know, you're basically, because someone cool or someone that you like is wearing that, that's what the influencers do. Like, you want to buy a certain perfume because... This girl on TikTok has got millions of followers, and this is what she wears, and she went on a date, and, and this guy was really cute. And so a whole bunch of girls are going to go buy this perfume. And because it was an influencer, that if an influencer goes to USC, a bunch of people want to go to USC. So that's just sort of what influencers do. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to go to school because I saw some TikTok video. But 17-year-olds do, apparently, because uh, schools are embracing it. So uh, – he says, finally, I heard comments between all three of the panelists that USC would have a, quote, top 40 defense this year. How could you possibly know this? You have not seen the team practice beyond the spring game. Coach Hyde was much more honest when he said that they could not be sure of how the defense would perform because he had not seen them play yet. I would prefer less spin and more facts. That's why I like listening to Coach Hyde and Gerard in particular. I'm a USC football fan of over 50 years and appreciate analysis is based that is based on fact. To do otherwise... Uh, uh, disintegrates the institution and is dis- disrespectful of your audience. Thanks for your consideration, Dave. You can take this down. Yeah, I mean, Dave's uh, bring it. I, I think that I think the top forty thing he's referring to was uh, that ESPN FBI projected that USC would have a top forty defense. I don't necessarily remember. I don't know if he's referring to me. We, but we did talk about it on the show. I think me and Gerard did. I think we were talking about if USC is in a top 40 defense, if they get to that. And that, again, that's just a uh, statistic evaluation. I don't know what FBI FBI runs the like a thousand simulation. Sorry, simulation is the word I was looking for. It runs like a thousand simulations of the college football season. And I think it came up with like a top 40 defense for USC. And it might not even be top 40 defense. It might be like defense, defensive efficiency, whatever that might be. I think it was like 80 to 40. But we were saying that if that happens, USC is in the cultural playoff. I'm not I wasn't saying top 40 defense. And again, I don't I, I might be even defending myself and I'm not even the one who's under the the spotlight for his comment. But I don't think I personally don't think USC is going to be a top 40 defense. I I'm thinking maybe like top 60 defense, which I think would probably be right at the border of getting them to where they need to go. I mean, top 50 would be like a massive turnaround. Uh, And I'm not I'm not saying I think they have and I've said this from the beginning, they have a lot better pieces. It's all going to be on scheme at this point. It's not going to be on talent because they got the talent now. So it's all on Alex Grinch, in my opinion. You know, obviously, you know, the guys on the field have to do what they're they have to make the tackles they have to make the plays whatever but in the end it's it's everything's going to come back on Alex Grinch because that's what it is they have Bear Alexander they have Anthony Lucas they have Mason Cobb they have Eric Gentry they have 
all these studs back on defense and added to the defense. So it's 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 shifting all on Alex Grinch, and it's going to come down to scheme. I don't think it's going to be top forty. I would say top sixty. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. Like I, I think there's a chance it's top forty. Um, it was, I think it was the FBI FPI numbers we were talking about. Um, but there's it's May, Dave. Like, what kind of facts do you want? Like, we can tell you what they were last year. If you all you want is facts, we just wouldn't talk until the season starts again. Um, we could tell you who committed and stuff. But we've seen the players that they've added on the defensive side of the ball. And we talked to the coaches and we've watched some of the practices and we got to see the spring game. We're here to give you informed decisions. There's not, you know, when we're analyzing stuff, there's not a ton of facts. You can say they, you know, he ran for this many yards at this school and blah, blah, blah. But um, if all we talked about was facts, I mean, you can read that uh, in a box score. You know, this is more about, us taking everything in that we've seen, that we heard, talk to sources, talk to people on the record, um, observe all of it, and and coming up with some sort of conclusion with all of the history that we have from covering the team and cover, you know, knowing college football and all that. People want to hear our informed decisions, and they're not always right. But if I had to guess, it's going to be a top half defense, a top sixty, and I feel like that would be enough for USC to win the Pac-12, even though the schedule's a little tougher. But I, there's the potential for it to be a top 40 type defense with the talent they brought in. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. If that's all you want is facts, I mean, I, I think it would be a pretty boring podcast if that's all we, we can only talk about things that were in absolute. People really want to know our opinions on things, and that's pretty much what you do throughout the offseason, even during the season. Opinions about what happened in the game. And we've seen the game, right? You read the box score, but Chris and I can have a very different view of what happened, even though we know, uh, you know, Michael Jackson had seven catches for 105 yards. We might have very different opinions on how his game was, you know, so that's sort of what we do here is we're giving you analysis too, based on facts based, but also based on observations and talking to people, sources on and off the record and all of that. If we only did that, I would never be able to make bold predictions ever again. There's no facts and predictions. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I predicted Caleb Williams was going to win the Heisman. I hit on that. So, yay, look at me. But, yeah, I mean, nobody, especially in sports, nobody knows what's going to happen next year. Any given season, any given player, any given total defense or anything. You don't know where USC's defense is going to fall. You can give an educated guess based on what you see and what you know and all those things. But – to say that someone knows what's going to happen next year, nobody absolutely knows. They can win the national championship or they can go five and seven. It doesn't matter. We don't know, but we can, you know, think about it, give, you know, uh, informed guesses and, you know, things that we've seen in the past and things we, you know, can project and stuff like that. That's what makes this, that's what makes college football and sports in general fun. You know, no one knows the answer, but it's fun to talk about and, you know, give opinions on it. And every time I try, I try to make an opinion. I try to, you know, give some sort of like basis for why I'm making that, that projection. I I don't think USC's defense is going to be amazing. I think they're going to be better, but I don't think they're going to be amazing. You know, and that's just something that's my personal opinion based on what I see. And Gerard will tell you the same thing. He doesn't know, but he, you know, you listen to him talk. It sounds like he's like, he's like in there. Like he, he gives all the facts and, all the facts that he has and all the the 
projections and data that he has. And, you know, you may listen to him and think that, you know, he's going to he's going to project everything to right. But no one knows anything that's going to happen. But, you know, some people are better at, you know, explaining their side or their opinion better than others. Yeah. But thanks, Dave, for the long email. I'm sorry to me to be uh, too harsh, but there was, uh, you know, some uh, pointed criticisms, which we love. I love constructive criticism, but I'll just give you opinions on kind of why we said any of those things uh, that we did. Got one last one, Dan, class of 62. Thanks. It says, Ryan, thanks so much for the special podcast about the USC track and field program. The new facilities, both on campus and in Wilmington, are fantastic for both the student athletes and the community. My concern has been the scholarship limitations, but that could be mitigated by having a cross-country team for men, just like the women have. How many scholarships for distance running can be added to the program? Also, how can NIL help with uh, track recruiting? The scholarship limitation also puts USC and other private colleges at a disadvantage in swimming and baseball. Is the USC administration working with the NCAA to increase scholarship limits? Fight on a win, Dan of 62. And said congratulations again to the Women Beach Volleyball team for their NCAA championship three-peat. Um, so, Dan, this isn't a USC. Like, USC is not, like, calling up the NCAA, like, hey, we need more scholarships. Like, this is a – that's a sport-wide thing. So, there's committees and all that kind of stuff that would be addressed. I don't know about if there's a cross-country team and if that's separate, if they have more scholarships, or if that would just be part of track. I honestly don't know if you could have that. Um, I don't think you could – USC can't really add another men's team right now. So I don't think even if there was some scholarships for cross country, but talking to the track people, USC is good at um, sprints and things like that. Like USC can get jumpers and runners. USC doesn't do well getting distance runners um, because there's just not a lot of places to run. You're in downtown Los Angeles. So uh, you'd have to drive somewhere and like run there. So that's from the track people I talked to. Distance is already a problem. So I don't think they would add a cross-country team because they can't really do distance for the track team. Um, you know, the throwing thing would, you know, they're trying to mitigate that with that new throwing facility down in Wilmington. So you can get a bunch of throwers. It looks like they're doing that. Uh, Martin uh, Manick, the, the the throwing coach, he seems great. You know, he was at Virginia for 10 years. He threw a Cal. Talking to that guy, he's a recruiter. Like, they're going to bring in some studs. Uh, that can throw, you know, javelin and shot put and hammer and all that. But for cross country or distance, uh, that's not where USC track's going to get their points. They're going to get it in the other stuff, from what I understand. And I'm no track expert, so did that you make sense? For, to you, you heard it. You heard it here first. He's no track expert. Yeah, but I know enough just from talking to those guys. So, um, all right. Okay. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. My voice is starting to go, and I got to get on the road here. But um, Chris, great job. Thanks for coming in again. Uh, thanks and great job by you as always, Ryan Abraham. Oh, thanks so much. And thanks to everyone out there for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.